On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This is the Battle Line Podcast. Battleline Podcast. I am Ian Scotto. Chris Peranto is not here, but please don't tune out immediately. I feel like some some people are going to be like, what? No Chris Peranto? And then they are going to listen to the show. I promise you this will be entertaining because with me in studio is Kate Hyde, who many of you know from Twitter, or many of you may not know from Twitter. What's Probably going not. on? I mean, I can't, it's weird for me to even say what's going on because I try to be completely transparent. We both live in New York, took the train here together. That's home for me. Came in there from or came in from there today with you, yeah. And it was a weird conversation because you and I were like, I don't want to say anything that's going to be too interesting because we want to save it for air. Yes. So we were like, let's think of some vague topics and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we actually record the show. We had a lot of awkward small talk because we'd get into something really good and then just both find ourselves being silent because we were like, oh, we'll save that for air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, for the listeners, do you want to just talk about your background? I, I feel the one thing I will say before we get into your background is we've talked about Drew Dwyer a whole bunch on this podcast, and I feel like he's always mentioned, but he's like this common thread among many of us, and I know you because of Drew Dwyer. Yes. I met you. Us. Yeah, and you were saying, I thought it was two years ago, three years ago at a holiday party while you were at American Military News. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about Drew in this way. It's incredibly unfortunate. But yeah, Drew, incredible guy. He uh, he introduced us. He introduced me to a lot of people. That was it was awesome for my career. He was one of those dudes that was always looking out. Um, he would invite me to things like uh, where I met you. That was a software party. He just said, "Hey, this is, you know, you're in this industry. Come along. There's a ton of people for you to meet, and uh, you know, uh, come and I've got your back." You know, he was a he was a great friend, great guy. He was always out there just doing good things, and uh, I can't believe that he's gone. Yeah, he was he was such a nice guy, and I've and we have all these like great pictures of yes. three of us or you with his wife Fran, and um, yeah, I mean we just haven't had anything but good things to say about him, and and as uh, Chris said on the first episode, I think it was the first, he was like he would definitely be here with us, uh-huh. uh, probably in the background, barely talking, but he would be there just because you know I, I said after the first episode I had this urge, I many times I have an urge to call him because he was the guy if I had some fun news to say. Hey man, I'm starting a podcast with Tonto, and he'd be so excited about it. Uh-huh. And I can't do that anymore. It just sucks. Yeah, and and we were talking about it earlier. That was one of the things we stopped talking about. Was on your podcast with him before. You guys gave me a nice shout out before. Uh, yes, about yeah my incident, and it was just it was really fun to well, listen to. Do you want to mention that incident? It was sure. Fucking crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, three years ago now, um, I was on the subway and I caught a guy taking a picture up my skirt. And, you know, I was I was alone on the subway. It was dark out. Uh, I was coming from my friend's place in Queens and I was going to uh, Woodside so that I could then take the LIRR home. But I didn't I'm not that familiar with Queens. You know, I, I only know a certain part. 
Um, so yeah, I was on the subway alone. I, I feel something on my leg. I see the guy with the camera recording and I said, what do I do? I, you know, I said it to myself and I just thought, I know I can say something to him and I know I can take his picture. We're in public. So that's what I did. I took his picture. I called my cop friend. I said, you know, I, I got, I called him out and I said, I know you just took a picture of my skirt. And he was like, Oh no. And he's laughing. He knew what he was doing. And yeah. And yeah. So I shared, I ended up sharing the picture. Um, Went to and, the it, cops. and it got a lot of retweets because even at that time you didn't have a huge following, but you had some following. Yeah, and you know that's one of those things that I, I wanted to spread it because there was no question as to what he did. And and I, I mean, looking back, I don't know if I would do that again because I don't know. It's just again, I think maybe now with a bigger following, that's more risky. I don't I don't know, but I should have uh, ultimately the the cops posted his picture up in the subways and they caught him and he uh, pled guilty and they gave me a. A restraining order against the guy, or whatever it is. What uh, happened to him? I don't know. I mean, I know his name and his address, and I don't know what happened to him. I know his wife was mad. His wife was the one that saw the picture up on the subway. You know, there's probably military guys listening who were like, "Say his address." So I, his yeah, I don't know if he still lives there. <laughs> I think my restraining order, or whatever it was that they gave me, is up after two years. But it was it was one of those those um, situations that. At the time, I felt so uncomfortable, and and you know, granted, nothing happened. It was the middle of winter; it was December. I had, and but it, it, you shouldn't even say nothing happened because that it, alone happened. Of course, happening no, is... no, no. I, I just mean it, a lot worse could have happened, yeah. I guess. And I also knew with the angle and everything, it was a failed attempt. So even on top of it, I just knew he wasn't. It's not like he was getting anything good. I just caught him in the act. Um, but it was, it was troubling it was scary and i felt so violated and it was it was one of the few times in my life that i really just felt just completely violated completely alone i felt like the other people on the subway were kind of just laughing at it because what you know what can you do um but uh, yeah i was again i was kind of glad i don't want to say glad that it happened to me but it was if it was going to happen to anyone i was glad that it did happen to me instead of someone else because yeah. other people were like, why don't you kick his phone? I would have beat him up. And I was like, no, I don't want to get myself into more trouble. I don't know where I'm going. I'm not taking the subway any deeper into Queens. Get out somewhere. To, I don't know where I'm going or what to do. I knew I could take his picture and I could talk to him and I could call him out. That was that was all I could do. So I was glad that I, at least in that sense I didn't put myself into more danger and ultimately got this guy caught so that he didn't go do it to someone else. Or if he did, you know, I don't know. So that Hopefully was not. that was one of the connections, though, as we gave Throw Punch of the Week to that yes. guy, and you were saying that you heard that. I, for, I kind of forgot about it. It's been so long. Yeah. But it was just a very sweet gesture, you guys. You, yeah. No, I mean, we were all <laughs> just like, what a you know scumbag move. Let's call this guy out. But okay. um, getting into everything, as I said, for the people listening, who is Kate Hyde? What is you know what is your background? Who I know, but it's you know one. I think the audience would like to hear it from you. So yeah, um, like I was saying before, I mean, really. I, I'm Kate Hyde. I'm on Twitter. And uh, I don't have much more of a background that's of interest to people. I don't really have a public thing going on. I'm not in the media. I don't have a book. I, I'm not selling anything. But what I like is uh, to make fun of politics and culture in the world. And the, the best place to do that is Twitter. So I've, I've gained a little following. And like It's more than a little following. You have, I think you have a really big following, especially for someone, as you said, who's not out in the public sphere in any other way but Twitter. So Yeah, I'm not I'm not downplaying it. How I'm, big is your I'm following very, again? It's, I think I'm at nineteen thousand. I think that's pretty pretty damn respectable. I'm hey, I love every single person that follows me. I I absolutely love that a 
dumb joke that I put out there could be of interest to someone. And if people enjoy it, that's what can you do? So 19, But you're really 000. good at it. And you've also – haven't you written for various shows? Yeah. I used to um, – you know, it's one of those things that I, it doesn't even register in my brain. But yeah, I, I used to write um, – I used to write the National Police Blotter on uh, for a show, The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Um, Doc Thompson, another friend of mine I used to work with, he also unfortunately um, died That's this right. year. So I, I just can't believe I'm sitting here saying all this. Um, that was this year? I feel was, like it was a while ago. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, February. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I wrote for them and it was this – Kind of, it was another thing that that I was friends with Skip, but Doc saw me on Twitter and just said, "Hey, we have this segment. I think you might be good at it. Do you want to give it a shot? Just because you're so out there on Twitter, you seem like it would be a good fit." Um, so I did that. I did that for a year. I I, I loved it. It was just uh, taking criminal news and going wild with it. And it was a great segment. So yeah, I wrote for radio. Um, I, as you mentioned, I worked at American Military News. I started there just writing. Uh, political pieces and then which uh, admittedly you always say was not really your strong suit you prefer to just make fun of politics and like for example you will live tweet you know a democratic uh, town hall or the democratic debate yes and makes funny make some funny comments that sometimes go viral because you're clever like that you're able to think of things off the top of your head and you're not someone who likes to write serious pieces thank you yeah no I, i definitely i'm not good with the serious stuff um and that's what I said that was that was such a great opportunity. I ended up uh, moving up to news director there, and I I I did love it for what it was. But there was a certain point where I just said, I want this company to keep going on without me because you guys are you have so much more um, than I'm capable of giving. And to me, it's yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's not even like I like to crack. I, I don't find myself funny. What I find is I like to have fun and Twitter is a good place to invite other people to have fun with you. But you are funny. Well, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate I mean, because you and I were discussing in in uh, the green room, we were saying like which tweets you've had that have gone viral. The biggest one of which I think would be you flying the drone and then flying it into your face. No, that one's actually, that one doesn't, uh, that's not. People know that viral. one though because yes. I think it's it's at the top of your page pinned. It's, yeah, yeah, it's my pinned tweet. It's the drone hitting me in the face. Which isn't like a witty or clever thing. No. Most <laughs> most people would not put that up. They'd be too me. embarrassed and you're like, I'm putting this up. Yeah. No, it was a great moment. I, I was out flying my drone. I think that was the, maybe the second day I had it. I was just giving it a shot and I had forgotten that that happened. And then I was looking back at the footage and I was like, oh. I got that. Like, great. What do I do with this? So I just put it on Twitter and now people know me as that. I have been approached in public and people have said, oh, my God, you're the drone girl. I I live for that. That's great. The tweet that I always remember that went viral that I just thought was the funniest. I remember laughing out loud when I saw it was someone before you tweeted that there was like a woman's campaign on bounty uh, – well, Bounty makes what's called oh, towels. Uh, paper towels. Yeah. What was my thought here? Um, and you tweeted that, right? You retweeted that tweet and wrote, "Finally, a company progressive enough to put women on cleaning products," <laughs> yeah. and which I thought was hilarious. And I had forgotten about that tweet till you brought it up. And that had like tens of thousands of retweets, if I remember correctly. It? it was I, huge. I don't remember. Th- I don't think that's right, but. I'm glad I'm glad. And, that. But I think part of the appeal is they're like, this is an attractive young woman who's able to poke fun at this. If it was a guy who tweeted that, I don't think it would get the same traction. Right. Because they'd be like, oh, this is some sexist, misogynist guy on Twitter. You're able to poke fun at everything. Well, I think the thing is, is that, um, you know, I think a lot of people do it fearlessly where they say, I don't care who's making fun of me. But it's fun when 
I'm also able to do it. And people can't say, oh, well, you know, who are you to say that? It's like, I'm a woman. It's funny. And that's why when someone else says it, a man or someone who doesn't, you know, shouldn't people say shouldn't be allowed to say such things. It's like, why not? Like, we should all be having fun with it. So I feel like it's part of my duty to like I, I think women are horrible drivers and I think that, that is something that shouldn't be overlooked and I'm the first one to say you know if there's a car accident it's probably a woman you know because someone's got to say it I'm just saving the men from having to you know look bad what were some of your other like huge tweets besides that because I they don't know those stick out in my memory in yeah. particular um I remember one that actually made me a little bit sad afterwards because it was uh it was about them finding really old cheese in egypt i think and uh this one got a lot of traction very quickly but uh it was they found old cheese and i forget if they said had fungus on it whatever and i said like oh chipotle will take it but i love chipotle so uh, (laughs) this went you know got a lot of traction a lot of sharing and people were like aha yeah because you know chipotle is always making people sick and whatever and i was like Oh, yeah, I know that's true. That's the joke. But I don't want them to think that, like, it doesn't keep me from eating there almost every day, you know? Yeah. So it was really funny that it, it seemed like I was um, trying to take Chipotle down with that one. I, I don't, you know, I didn't mean to be mean. But you I also can't Chipotle. overthink it in the moment. No, You're like, if I have a good tweet of something that's trending, you got to just go for it. And Chipotle, I mean, let's be real. They're known for making people sick, what, every six months? There's yeah. some new thing going on there. I'm willing to risk it. I think, you know, it's worth it. But some people, it, they just write it off after that. So sure. they're known for it. That's their problem. Are there others that stand out to you? Um, there, I, I don't know. I like the ones that, that, uh, there was one time I, I took a video of Acosta on TV. He wasn't doing anything particularly fancy. I think he was standing outside the White House. But I did one of those, um, you know, where it like puts a mask over him. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was around Halloween. Like Snapchat or something? Yeah, it was okay. like a Snapchat thing. I, I don't use Snapchat, but yeah, the Snapchat filter. It was exactly like that. And I put up some joke about it. And I do go after Acosta sometimes because I think he can be a bit ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But this one wasn't anything personal. And I don't think I said anything bad. But um, Acosta ended up retweeting it or quote tweeting it and saying something and made fun of himself too. And I was so happy because, again, that one got a lot of traction. But I was like, this is what Twitter's for because the fact that he could see it, not be offended by it, continue on in the joke when he's such a, you know, he seems so uptight and snooty. And thinks he's like a hero of the First Amendment. And, yeah, yeah, all of that now, you know, saying it's a dangerous time to tell the truth in America. Like, no, yeah. okay. Um, you know, to hit him on that sort of stuff and then to have a moment where it was just something really – silly and fun and that one again got a lot of traction that one made me happy because it made everyone happy and also if you're able to poke fun at yourself it'll fade away and people will be like this guy could take a joke because i always think of um i remember it like went viral just all over the internet when mike francesa from sports radio 66 fell asleep on the air (laughs) and people called him like days on end after that and and just made jokes about him falling asleep Uh like they would pick up you know a fan's call and and he'd be like oh sorry i fell asleep there mike and just like references to the falling asleep and he is not able to take a joke about himself so it prolonged the joke oh man if he would have been able to laugh at it yeah i think that it would have gone away quicker and see that's why i was so proud of acosta in that moment because acosta is one of the people that i actually criticize um you know, there's a handful of people at CNN and all over the media. The problem that that they're having is that they take everything personally. So yeah. it's exactly what you said. Something someone could come after them, and they they take it personal, even if you're not actually going after them. They just feel like 
um, you know, it's it's a hit on them and their reaction to it. Instead of laughing it off or even ignoring it, they they end up fueling people. I mean, that's why Trump calls CNN fake news every day. It's because they can't handle it. Yeah. They don't know how to react to him and they're just making it worse. And that's what riles up Trump fans because it's so much fun to watch them just implode. Yeah, he's he admits that certain things he tweets out are just to anger them. You know, like yeah. the, the Rocky picture, which at the point of where we're recording this was a few days ago. Uh-huh. And then uh, him him saying that he was going to serve a third term. Like, he wasn't serious about that. It, he knows that that will rile people up. And I mean, the the gifts and the pictures. Of, oh, the CNN. And the, and the, yeah. Oh, my God, with I, the uh, WWE. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's so funny. And if they were in... Okay. The gif that was put out in 2017 that was – yeah, it was the WWE. I think it was um, CNN was – Vince McMahon, was, right? Yes. Yeah. The CNN logo was put over Vince McMahon's head and it was when Trump was a guest and I guess Trump knocked out Vince in that moment, um, which I'm a huge WWE fan. So I was like, this is just <laughs> great all around. Um, and And CNN, instead of laughing at it, they took that as – a hit on the First Amendment, a hit on um, free speech, a hit on them as an organization like they were going to get, you know, all these violent threats and all of that. It, they ended up actually approaching the guy – not approaching, but they they found the guy who yeah. made the GIF and asked him – they didn't ask him. They, they blackmailed him into apologizing or they would – Reveal his identity. I mean, if that is not the most overblown reaction to something that really – CNN should be thanking Trump for the ratings that they're giving – that he's giving them because he's getting people to even pay attention that CNN exists. Yeah, I wonder what any of these places are going to talk about when he's no longer in power. I mean, I don't watch any network news at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I go over my parents' house, like I feel like a lot of people our age have tuned out of all of this. Like they they do this. They listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. They um they'll check out clips from mainstream media on Twitter, but like people our age are not watching Brian Selter or even like Sean Hannity every Except day. Except me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love you it. also yeah. do it for the tweets and all that. But I think generally people aren't watching the whole thing. And every time I go over to my parents' house, it is all Trump all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I often get criticized. Um, I mean, when I was doing shows previously, I think the one thing I did take pride in is that. I was not for either side or in Jack Murphy I worked with. We would call things as we saw them. Um, But lately people have – you know, I've written stuff about Mike Bloomberg, for example, or Beto O'Rourke. And some of the more anti-Trump people have said on my my public Facebook page, like, Ian, how come I never see you talk about Trump or criticize Trump? And my reasoning is it's just – it's – too much Trump all the time yeah. that whether it's positive or negative, I don't – I've I've had enough of it. I've been tuned out of it. I don't pay attention to the impeachment stuff because mm-hmm. it's just nonstop. It's too much. So I don't want to add to that. I'd rather talk about, you know, more recently Mike Bloomberg saying that China is not a dictatorship. That, mm-hmm. that interests me more because anything Trump says we've all heard about by now yes. but from everybody and we've heard everybody's take. So yeah. I don't even feel the need to give my take. So – me omitting Trump is not an endorsement or, you know, a criticism of him. It's just I've I've personally had too much Trump all the time. I don't yeah. know if you feel the same. But. Yeah, no, uh, totally. Um, listen, the guy is the president of the United States. Of course, he should be covered. But the way he's being covered is 
insufferable at a certain point. Um, and the impeachment thing is so funny to me because I, when the impeachment hearings started happening, I was almost I was so checked out that I didn't even see it coming. And I'm paying attention here. But it was just this impeachment talk has been happening since he got in. Yes. So basically what's happening is they've just been saying from the beginning, they've been promising all of these people who are anti-Trump, don't worry, we'll get him out. He'll be impeached. We'll find a way. <laughs> so then every day they think they found a new way to get him out. And what happens is no, they they don't really have them on impeachable offenses. And what they have them on is a bunch of little things that um, annoy them, you mm -hmm. know, that he does. So it basically they just want us to look at the big picture of like, look how bad he is. Like we're just going to frame him as the bad guy, not actually have anything to impeach him on because we've been screaming impeach before he did anything. So I think – and this is one of those things that's very – transparent I, to you know the general population but another thing is the general population as a whole if you're not watching CNN if you're not in the DC bubble if you're not you know really paying attention you have no idea what's going on and i'm not saying that to be um mean or say like you don't know what's happening i'm saying you can't even turn on the news and and follow what's happening because it's all so muddy and loud and when i've i've been asking so many people like hey hey you pay attention a bit. I know you have the radio on. I know this. Tell me what you think about impeachment. Do you know anything? And they're like, not really. Like, it's not <laughs> making sense. So I can't follow. I'm like, great. I, I get that. And I'm trying. I'm over here trying to follow it and I can't. Yeah. So, yeah, it's another thing that, you know, uh, there's a lot to be said about it. And that's where I like to have fun with it. But it's insufferable. Did you see that YouTube video that went around a while ago about the walls are caving in on Trump and it shows like – CNN and MSNBC and even Fox News at times, like every month there's a new bombshell allegation. Yes. And it, like this has been going on for the past three years at this point and oh. nothing has really changed. Right. So that's why, at least for me, no matter how people feel about it, I can't follow it because I – I mean it's just the crying wolf thing. Every month there's a new bombshell and I every month say nothing is really going to change right. and that turns out to be correct. Yeah, and they're weakening the language. Like you said, everything's a bombshell. Everything's a smoking gun. It's the same way that, you know, to hit on CNN again it, or actually I think most news organizations, the 24-hour news companies have started to do this where they just say breaking news for everything. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's it's a ratings getter. It's, oh you know, it keeps people tuned in. And I'm like, what happens when something really is breaking? It's, it's hard to, you know – Decipher. I mean, obviously, you could probably see what's going on, but it's it's you can't have breaking news every two seconds. Breaking news needs to be saved for real breaking yeah. news. Yeah, breaking news should be nine eleven bombshell. The same yeah. thing. Yeah, unfortunate the amount of school shootings. That's breaking right. news. You know, yeah, it's 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 definitely too much. But speaking of which, so I do believe, and I think most people do, that Trump is at least going to be in power until the next election. We're going to see what happens in the next election. But you've been live tweeting a lot of these town halls and debates. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I'd love to hear your take on on the candidates. Um, yeah. Just in general. I mean, it's been interesting watching all these debates. I haven't I haven't watched them in their entirety, uh -huh. but I do catch all the highlights of them. Um, I do have a good grip on what each of the candidates stands for, I feel uh -huh. like. And yeah, I just want to hear your take. Yeah, I actually um, – I only saw the last few debates. I was I was uh, checked out of, uh, believe it or not, all media um, over the summer, for most of the summer. Um, so I started tuning into the Democratic debates again more recently. And for the ones I've seen, this last one was the best. Um, it was – it showed, I guess, like the most uh, – talent, if you will, to, to come out of them. You know, B Booker, I feel like he really 
carried himself well or he he proved the most about himself. I'm not saying that that's the most electable, but he had a good time. It was Joe Biden's 77th birthday and there was a lot of personal news out about him. It just seemed like there was – it was – Everything imploded on this day. He didn't perform very well during the debates. Now, Joe Biden, I've said before he got into the race that he was going to be the guy. I think it's going to be Biden versus Trump in 2020. And even with everything that they're coming out with Biden, I think um, I think it's still going to be him. Even with Bloomberg in, I just don't feel like Bloomberg quite has that traction. Um, because no. Because Biden's really associated with Obama. And people are nostalgic now for Obama and especially after um, – just after he's gone and we have Trump in, people people miss him. And so they're going to associate Biden with him. And, you know, Biden's one of those people that I wish that he would retire so that he could be a 77-year-old man, enjoy his life, be the happy-go-lucky guy that he is. I don't feel like he needs to be beaten down anymore. Yeah. You know, politics aside, he seems like a good guy. Um so I think he's very likable, but he's just – I think he's just losing his mind doing all this political stuff. I still think it will be him. Um, but a lot of these guys and women who are running for president are in that state of like – I heard Joe Rogan say like we're looking at people who are like on death's door to be the next president. I mean, Donald mm-hmm. Trump is extremely old. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, they're all – you know, Joe Biden, they're all – very old. And this is the this is what we have. You know, yeah. I, I really I personally don't get it, especially I was going to bring him up. But like I know Andrew Yang was not a fan of the last debate because he got the last the least speaking time. But whether you like the guy or not, he has a great grip on the challenges coming up in the next few years with uh, with automation, artificial intelligence. He's extremely well versed on all that stuff. And it's like I haven't even heard Trump or Biden say anything substantive about these major issues that are on the horizon of millions upon millions of jobs that are going to be replaced by robots in the next few years. But I mean, do you really think it'll happen in the next few years? I mean, do you think yeah, during... Yeah, Yeah? Yeah. Because, because Yang's solution is basically before the robots replace the people, he's going to start... He ideally wants to give $1,000 to everyone a month, right? Yes, but they're they're already replacing the people. I mean, the fact that you go to the grocery store and there's a checkout line and all that, that's replacing jobs and mm-hmm. ATM machines have replaced bank tellers. I know that this is just what happens when technology comes along, but the technology is moving at such a rapid pace within these past few years that, you know, he he's talked about before. I was actually just listening to his the podcast on Joe Rogan. Um, that the technology is pretty much there to replace truck drivers, which is, I believe, the most popular job in the United States. Like, what happens when all these jobs go away? And it's, it's at the very least, something we should be talking about. And he's like the only candidate taking this extremely seriously. And this is like his main platform. I'm, I'm very thankful he's out there to talk about it, at least. Uh-huh. You said that you've been paying attention to a lot of what he said. And I have so many questions. Like, I, I've, I've been really wanting to talk to like a Yang surrogate or someone which I'm Yang not, gang. which I'm yeah, which but, I'm not any of do that. Do you even have the basic answer? And I, I could do research on this. I just haven't. I just I want the easy access to the information. Yeah. Do you want? Do you know if if he's giving a thousand dollars to each person every month? Yes. Is he eliminating all government assistance? Otherwise, if you're already on um uh, uh welfare, yeah, is he getting rid of that? Is this in I don't. I don't think so because the thousand dollars a month would apply to everybody, uh-huh. and there's probably people on government assistance making more than a thousand dollars a month. I would think. Right. Yeah. So is he keeping the people that are on welfare where they are, and then also giving a thousand dollars to every 
other person? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I don't know how he's factoring all of that in. But the thing about him is I'm sure if you were to ask him, he would have an answer. Because any time I've heard him ask Let's about this. Let's get him this, on the show. He's, yeah, he's very good at explaining why he's doing Like when I first heard the $1,000 a month thing to everybody, I was like, this sounds ridiculous. This just sounds like pure socialism. You know, me coming from a center-right perspective. But when he explained how – in Alaska, the citizens make a certain amount per month because of the oil drilling, and that money is going back to the people. This is the same thing. These corporations like Amazon are taxed zero dollars, which is pretty ridiculous when you really think about it. That, but that's government. That's public versus private. I, but I just mean if you were to open your own store here in New York City, you're going to be taxed like crazy. Mm-hmm. So why – how is that fair as compared to if you open an online retailer that becomes a giant that – makes far more money and you're being taxed nothing. You know, so I think his whole idea is he would tax those companies, which are private companies, mm-hmm. and the money would go back into the pockets of the American people. But companies like that are just are helping people so much already and they are getting taxed. And it's like – They're not getting taxed though because they pay zero dollars in taxes. That's also why you don't pay taxes on Amazon. But uh, – wait, I pay taxes on Amazon. What am I doing I think wrong? just state tax. I think just well, if you're – yeah, I don't yeah. think federal though. Okay. But so with AOC – We need a fact checker here. What do you, yeah. <laughs> um, what, do, what do you think about AOC then, uh, you know, and her whole campaign to keep them out of New York and now that we're – Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was okay. a terrible idea, okay. I thought. Right. But – You know, he's not, he's not bashing them creating jobs. He's just saying they should be paying some sort of tax rate just like any other business. Yeah. Which I don't think is a, is that radical of an idea. You no, know, I just think you know he's he here's all these people that are employed by Amazon now that he's saying are going to be replaced by robots, but they're not, and they have these jobs, and Amazon is employing them and keeping. Yeah, no, he's up, not just know. talking about like Amazon, <laughs> like the, like the thing that he brings up a lot, for example, is there's some crazy amount, something like thirty percent of the country's malls are going to be going out of business within the next few years. And it is true. You go to most malls. I mean, I know Roosevelt Field Mall by us like does very well. Mm-hmm. But you go to most malls, like the source mall by there, oh, it is a ghost town. I miss the and, source. Yeah, these these malls are going to go out of business. And why are they going out of business? It is because of Amazon.com. Yeah. And I agree, Amazon is creating jobs. But in turn, they are also destroying jobs from things like smaller malls. <sighs> I mean, it's the free market. I agree. Yeah. This is just what happens. But I but I do think some people need to address this. And I have heard. Have you ever heard Trump talk about automation or artificial intelligence at all? I haven't heard him say anything about it. Not that I can think of off the top of my head, but I think he's you know he's addressing everything. And I think Yang is out there again. It's great he's bringing this to the conversation. It's nice that he has so much traction. He seems to have a very loyal fan base. Oh yeah. I always associate his um, supporters with. Uh, like Ron Paul, I knew you were going to say. Yeah, it. it just feels like they just drifted away from Ron Paul and it's Yang and-, and and Tulsi Gabbard. A lot of Ron Paul's people yes. are pro Tulsi Gabbard because she is she echoes the non-interventionist foreign policy. Yeah, and by the way, I I, I should throw this in here. I know a huge deal of this audience are Trump supporters, mm-hmm. and they I I think that the um. I don't know. Natural thing to do for a lot of people is to tune out all these candidates. Yeah. And they're like, I don't subscribe to this. I don't subscribe to the Democrat platform. I mean, I'm a registered Republican, but I I do want to hear what these other people have to say. Mm -hmm. Chances are I I likely will vote for Trump if it's an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders. But 
I because I've been open minded to hear things that Tulsi Gabbard have said and mm-hmm. things that Andrew Yang has said, there's things from both those candidates in particular who are extreme underdogs that really appeal to me. Yeah. So I just I think people should be at least willing to hear um, what some of these people say, because mm-hmm. Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard in particular are very open to talking to all sides. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, that Tulsi is getting bashed just for going on Fox News. She's, you know, and going on um, Tucker Carlson's show. Yeah. Like you're a white supremacist somehow if you just appear on the show. It's it's completely yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. And those are the loudest people complaining. And the thing with the thing that the Democrats, it's the Democrats, though, it, the the higher-ups, if you will, that are trying to control this. And they're – someone like Tulsi is a moderate. Now, I know that she has – I know that she has extreme views, but I'm saying she was out there saying, um, you know, I think she's a 20-week abortion sort of let's, you know, make middle ground Yeah, here. I think she's the only one not for late-term abortion. Right. So it's it's that sort of stuff that people are, are hungry for. And I think that the Democrats are going out of their way to support – granted, they're supporting Biden, but – to also – they're getting behind people like Warren and and Bernie Sanders. And what I think is so funny is – I was just talking about this earlier today. Why at this time when they're simultaneously – like this is the worst time to p- push these crazy socialist ideas, right? Because it's the time that we have been so divided at, in, and our communities have been completely destroyed. And we don't have that sense of – unity and things that you need in a community that really makes socialism able to function. Because I just came from Europe and I was uh, – um, over the last few months, I've been jumping over to yeah, Which, different... by the way, you've been like a travel fiend. We I've should been get going into wild. Um, yeah, I just decided to up and go and that's what I've been doing a bunch of. But I got to go to a bunch of different countries um, and I I went by myself. So I had a lot of opportunity to go speak to people one-on-one. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm there with someone and we're in our own conversation. I'm talking to, you know, uh, the people at the restaurants and the bartenders and whoever else. Um, and it, what I found fascinating, I had never been to Denmark before. And Denmark was a country that I said, I understand how the American liberals look at a place like Denmark and just are absolutely in love. I think Denmark is a beautiful nation. I think what they're doing, they're doing it well. And they're socialist. But they're it works for them. You can't bring those sort of ideas over here. They have their own little world, their little community. And as a whole, those citizens do, um, you know, for the most part, they're on board with things when I talk to them about, um, you know, getting taxed more for hard liquor over beer, because they're like, yeah, well, hard liquor, you know, is worse for you than beer. So the government kind of wants to punish you and, and try to keep you from doing that because we're all on socialized medicine. Which and- is very Mike Bloomberg, you know, yes. that we want to tax sodas, even if it's poor people consuming it, because it increases diabetes. But- and it's extremely nanny state. Exactly. And that's the thing where listen, if you have a populace that's that's cool with that, then go for it. And the thing is, is that that was one of those things like okay which by the way that i don't mean to interrupt you there but it's the same thing they would totally be on board with these things beto o'rourke said about you know trading in your guns that's not going to happen in america no and it sounds great over there and you know again they they the way that they operate it works for them same thing with norway i was talking to this bartender there and he was so angry the first thing he said when he found out that i was american he started talking about trump and so i listen i don't i don't 
really want to fight anybody. Yeah, I, you don't want to go, I love Trump. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I ultimately end up saying that. I say, no, I support him. And, and listen, this is, you know, this is what's good for America. And, you know, and I, I, I'll criticize Trump too just because sure. I support him doesn't mean that I can't criticize him or say like, yeah, you know, sometimes I wish he wouldn't tweet that. But, yeah. you know, um, I'm – I'm, I want to hear what they have to say because I don't really want to debate anybody when I'm having these conversations. I really want you to change my mind. And I just – a lot of times for someone like this who comes at me so angrily, I just say, OK, give it to me. And he makes a lot of good points. But ultimately at the end of that conversation, it was really fun to say, OK, totally get it. You, we're, we're in Norway. This works for you. Um, but what happens when, I don't know, Germany comes in and just starts to bomb you guys? Like what do you do? He's like, well, you know, and I was like, we come save you, right? Like you guys are a wonderful Western nation. You're our allies. You're great. You're minding your own business. And someone just came and attacked you. What do you do? Yeah. And it's like you call America. So, hey, that works for you. Um, We got to keep ourselves in check over here. We just operate completely differently. We got to do what's best for us to keep us strong enough to be able to protect you. Because really what's happening now is all these little European nations are – almost like states for us, right? Like it, the way that states were supposed to be their own, um, you know, nation state and they could have their own laws and function in their own way. That's basically how we're treating Europe in a way, you know, that it's like, okay, you guys can do this cute little thing. You're you're all agreeing on socialism and you want to have these taxes and whatever. But like the federal government that we are, of the federal government in our countries to, you know, it's the, it's number one is national security and defense. Like we're basically also doing that for them over there. Yeah. You know, and they do have their own militaries, but but ultimately it's us. It's funny you say this too, because I am, you know, openly a very non interventionist foreign policy guy. Mm-hmm. I like Ron Paul. I like Tulsi Gabbard and the non interventionist stuff, but I do try to hear all sides on things. And when I used to talk about this with Jack Murphy, the debate he would say, you know, the argument he would make, which is similar to what you're saying, he's like, all right, if we pull out of all these military bases, we pull out of Germany, we pull out of uh, Japan, you don't think China is going to have a presence there? And it's a very valid argument. Right. Yeah. You're right. And that's the thing. I'm not – I'm by far no expert in, in, um, you know – foreign policy or or even anything going on in our own country but it's just to me there's there's that basic element and that's where i say these people in this country that want to implement these socialist things it's great when it works but on our level you can't do it and quite frankly i mean it's it's cute to me to hear people be like yeah the government can objectively tax me you know more because they think this is bad for me. But imagining that happening in America, like, no way. And that's why when it happens, I wish more people would speak up. But when you're in a place like New York and it's Bloomberg doing it, you just, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And and you were saying on the train ride here, it's crazy that we have these, like, kids who are coached by their parents creating yes. policy. You know, like, people are talking about that Greta Thunberg girl winning the Nobel Prize. And it's like... She didn't win, but she was nominated. Yeah, no, but yeah. the idea of her possibly winning a right. Nobel Prize. I didn't know they even gave it out yet, to be honest. I don't really follow it. but Yeah, they gave it out. It but, wasn't to her. But yeah, the idea that she would win, and it's like, for what? I know that she's passionate about this subject, but it's also... And if you say, if you say anything to criticize her... There are people on the left who will say the science is behind her. But there's no science out there saying the world is going to actually end in 10 years. Like it is as alarmist as it gets. I do think we need to be looking at what's going on with climate change. But the Mm -hmm. alarmist people are really overpowering 
everyone else's voices of the reality of the situation. Right. Yeah. No. Um, the biggest thing with with the climate change debate with me is is I'm all for a environmentalism and protecting the the earth and doing everything that we can to to treat it well. But you can't um like conflate environment environmentalism with climate change because what they're saying is you know the the oceans are filled with plastic and you know this that and I'm like yeah that's horrible. Yeah. We should be doing things uh, to save to like get rid of the plastic in the ocean. Absolutely. But that doesn't equate with the argument that you're saying that we need to give billions of dollars towards this organization so that we can like keep the temperature down of the earth. Like the arguments are they they go with the emotional look at what we can see, you know, um right in front of us as a problem and that is the bigger problem of climate change. So give yeah, I mean, money, believe in it. Yeah. We also know the carbon footprint of US is nothing on the carbon footprint of India or China. And you know, and, we're we're all living on the same planet. And so. that's that's where people me included are saying Go after these nations. Go after the. I mean, the fact that where was it? Um, I had somewhere recently. Just there, it was in India. I want to say they were showing video out of uh, India of all the smog. One day, I guess the you know the weather on top of the smog and all the factories. Sure. I mean, it was making people incredibly sick to be there. That to me is disgusting. Something needs to be done about that. That is cruel. That is just that is inhuman to me. Inhumane, but. Um, that needs to be looked at. But when you're over here saying – like that was another thing I love to talk to people in Europe about. We had to pull out the Paris Accord. What what are we benefiting from it? We're already following the rules. We're doing the best we can. Can we be, be better? Absolutely. But we're not the big problem. We can't just throw money at your organization so that you guys can all meet and talk about what's best when you're really not going after the real problem. I don't know what it takes to get China to act. I don't know what it takes to get India to act. I don't know, you know, if it's tariffs or what it takes to make it happen. But, you know, I just – I get a little bit frustrated when you're trying to just use the – um Greta as yeah, your yeah. as your mask so that we can't attack you, you know, for saying like Yeah, because then you're attacking children. Because then you're yeah. attacking children <laughs> and they're just putting her out there as a human shield. And it's like, where are the scientists? Yeah. Show us the scientists. Why are the scientists not the ones out on this boat? I think there are some scientists who will go along with someone like her, but I think the mainstream scientists would agree it's alarmist. I mean, I do think mm-hmm. what's going on is a problem, but it's not it's not at the rate of, of what's being said. You know what I wanted to ask you about, like totally off the topic of this stuff, because I don't want to get too political here. Yeah, no, it's but no people fun. might wonder, like, what is it that you you want to accomplish through this following on Twitter? Because in the past, like two years in particular, I've seen your following really grow from these major tweets. And people might be wondering, like, are you trying to become the next? Uh, I'm trying to think <laughs> not. It wouldn't be Tommy Wiren, but someone like uh, Catherine Timp, for example, you, you know her, right? I mean, yeah, has some yeah, like witty tweets and does some stand-up comedy and is regular on Fox News, is making a great living from it. Um, you know, is that is that the goal that you're hoping to accomplish? Um, I think something that a lot of people criticize me on is actually that I'm I'm in it without a goal. And people are starting to say to me, like, what are you doing? You know, and I'm just like, I'm just here to have – I'm literally just here to have fun. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people say, you know, we want you – it's a big joke. Like, am I going to start a podcast? I just go, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Um, I don't know what but you my, have a great take on stuff, you, you know. I mean, it's – thank <laughs> you. It's really fun to me. You know, yeah. it, it is. And and if if I knew a way 
I, I really appreciate all the people that reach out to me. I have people in my DMs or just tweeting at me, thanking me for bringing a little bit of joy to their day. And I when I think of people that. in my DMs, I think of. Uh, if it's women, that like dick pics, not not thanking you for your tweets. <laughs> no, I get a lot of really sweet people. I get a, a really, I get a lot of sweet people, and I I love it. And I, you know, when they say, "I think you should do this," "I think you should do that," I'm I'm all for it. If that's what people want, is to hear more takes. It's just. You know what is what is my take on top of everyone else's take? What is the podcast? I'm, I'm it's just funny because open. especially here in like a capitalist country, and you're openly capitalist. There always is an end game to profit. You know, like uh, we just picked up a sponsor, which is great, Fort Scott Munitions. I I'm not doing like a live read for them for this show because uh, there's actually five Mondays in December. So you know, it, it adds. So I'm just going to have them for all the Chris shows. But I mean, for example, I love doing this show with Chris. Who, by the way, I didn't mention at the top, is doing a training course this week. That's why he's out this show. So this will happen now and again. His schedule is way busier than mine. Um, and, you know, we, we want to keep pumping these out every week regardless. But anyway, like, we love doing the show, but we eventually do want this show to blow up and to be able to make a living doing this. You know, that's just part of capitalism. And, right, but you guys are both – And still put out quality content. I mean, Joe Rogan, I love the fact that it's it remains free, but he's got these great sponsors because it's billions of people listening every year. Right, but this is this – is, I mean, this is your – talent this is your career this is you're great at this and this is you know what you want to do and absolutely you should be making money from it um and chris too i mean chris is a great speaker and he's got a great take and glad to be filling in for him today if you will i'm a little bit less tough that's for sure but um but you're sort of filling i mean you're you're no i'm not filling in i'm a guest and he's not here but because it would be you and him i'm just going to say i'm filling in (laughs) as a much less tough tonto um but (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I don't, again, I, I just, I'm not opposed to doing anything. That's the thing. I'm not opposed to anything, to doing anything. I just don't have a direction or a goal right now. It's, I'm just having fun. I'm, I'm very thankful and honored, whatever you want to call it, that people follow me, they have fun. And, and I just, for the people who say that I bring them a laugh or you know some joy to their day, I'd. I mean, that's just so cool. Especially because Twitter has become a platform for so much anger, which I should mention is part of why Chris got off of it. Mm. I feel like he got so wrapped up in the the anger over politics and and yeah, he admits like he became way too into it and was and he's very compulsive like that, where he was just like, All right, I'm gonna get off of this completely. This is taking up too much of my time. I wanna uh-huh. stay positive, have a good mindset. Um and it is it is easy to feed into the negativity and you just have a fun take on everything. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's um to me it's it's just the perspective on it. So I can have someone say something really nasty, but it's like I can I can laugh at how nasty it is. And and I don't think that's anything other than I think I I went through this weird evolution and it's kind of showed in this um this political arena if you will because I'm not, you know, I'm not a pundit or anything, but I don't take anything personal. I, nothing's personal to me. So I think over the years, um, when I was younger, I was—I always say I was afraid of the world, and I took everything personally. And then I started getting into WWE, and I found out how to be tough and how to be—you know—I wanted to be Lita, and I would dress like her. I dyed my hair red, and I wish know. I could have seen this. Oh, I have pictures. Oh, yo, you got to send pictures. <laughs> yeah, I have. We'll a, post it on Instagram. That'll. Yeah, I have a, actually a, a lot of pictures with Lita too. I used to go meet her all the time. She oh, was, wow. She was my idol, and she actually. 
I have to, I want to, as like a human being and as an adult, I want to just personally thank her. Maybe I'll, I'll tweet at her or something because she was such an idol to me for such a scared person, um, for such a scared girl that as I, you know, she helped me just get tough. And I just looked at her and I was like, man, I want to be like her. And she's just tough. But she was also so sweet in real life um, that I think I just absolutely admired her. But um, so I went from scared to taking everything personal to tough, but still taking everything personal. And then at some point in more recent years, I had that same sort of, you know, I could be tougher. I wasn't so afraid of the world. And then I just wasn't taking anything personal, even in my most personal relationships. I just gave everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I just said, you know what, if they're yelling at me, it's, it might not be about me. And if I, all I can do is just try not to hurt anyone and, and go about my day. So I think with that on Twitter, it's, it's just, it's that every single day in every interaction. It's just, it's not personal. So it's really easy if you give in and, and take it personally to get cynical. And I feel like Getting cynical is what takes a lot of people out, takes a lot of people down, and I feel like, including Chris, who was and, like, and, "I got to get off." This. But the thing is, is that, and, and he said to me the other day, he was like, "Because you know, you know, Chris," and uh, he was like, "How many followers does Kate High now have now?" And what you said, like twenty thousand, nineteen, yeah, uh, well, yeah, whatever, same thing. Don't, and, don't know. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Chris was just like, he he was like, "Man, I probably shouldn't have got off of there. Probably should have just suspended the account for the account for a little bit and gotten back on." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude." We'd be getting more followers and more listeners of the show, but he he just needed a break from it. Yeah, and that's but that's great. And Chris, the thing with Chris too is that um, he's someone I don't I don't want to look at Chris and be like you shouldn't take it personal. I mean, dude, he was he was involved in yeah. such a you know a a big component of what was going on in the news and all these people. You know, th- he he was taking it personal and probably still is. And I'm not I I can't I can't look at his situation and say, he shouldn't do that. I'm just saying I've had the ability not to, and that has helped me. But, but you know, one of my things is there, there are very few people that I can't really take a step back and just be like, they're human. Like, let's, you know, I can criticize them and their politics, whatever, but I'm not going to go after them personally or whatever. And there's two people that I just still like to poke at a lot. And oh, I know one of them. Which, who? Uh, John Fugel saying. No, 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 no. I'm, I... Long story short, I'm I'm off a. You squash the beef with John Fugel. Yeah, I I won't get into it, but, oh, wow. but I'm okay. not I'm not going after him anymore. Okay, that wasn't it wasn't fair to do. I I I felt like I was going after him too personally, and I just I didn't realize I was doing it. And then I said, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. But, I know him, so yeah. Do you? Yeah, yeah, because I worked at Sirius XM, and you know he was in the building. I, I bored out the show one time. Yeah, I would I. I still have a dream of having coffee with him. And that is, again, He's because, in New York City. So. Dude, if you can get it, I would start a podcast if he would agree to be my first guest. Because I don't want to go after him. I don't want to attack him. I'm I just, friends with Jorge, who's his producer, who's yeah. a great dude. Yeah. I just want to speak to him. Yeah. But I I think he would be so much fun. Because he's another one. He's, he's a comedian. Um, but... You know, maybe part of his thing is he takes things too personally. I don't know. Yeah, but T- like Tim Dillon, we were talking about on the way here. Yeah. You know, he made a name for himself off that Meghan McCain impression, uh-huh. and Meghan McCain blocked him on Twitter. Oh. And he's like, it really would be funny if she could kind of take the joke and we could yeah. do something together. Yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, but anyway, so who are the two people? So, um, the, the one person there's there's a guy and a girl. The one um is Bill Ayers. 
who okay. was the head of the Weather Underground. Yeah. Um, bombed the Pentagon. He's a he's a domestic terrorist, and he is still roaming around as like an icon, as a teacher, as a professor. You know that he just kind of gets a complete pass. They didn't even he didn't even say I'm sorry, I was a terrorist. He just gets a pass, and he's out there doing things. So every time he says something, I I do go after him because I just go the nerve. You yeah. know, I'm I'm very anti terrorist. That yeah, across no, the board. Sure, it's a um, good stance to have. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not that <laughs> controversial. Um, but yeah, so there's him, and then the other one, which I I thought was so funny once I um met Chris was I always had a thing against Susan Rice. So she is one that I guess I'm saying I could see why he takes things personal. That's I mean that's a direct hit yeah. on him. I that's a totally different story. But she's someone that I just I cannot get over the fact that she went out there on those Sunday shows, yeah. knowing it was a lie. She had no business being out there. That wasn't her position. She was just the one willing to do it because no one else wanted to. And then she only went up the ranks and she became you know national security advisor. I mean. Just the ridiculousness. I felt like Obama was just protecting her to no end because of what she was willing to do to protect them. And I just – there was something about her that I just still will go after her and hit all the time. But anyway, just to bring it back, yeah, I, I – so I feel like Chris, if he wants to take her personally, <laughs> go for it. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. I mean you are very cognizant though of like this is too far. I'm not going to go I'm, – I'm not going to tweet this out for this reason. And I think a lot of people do get wrapped up into Twitter yeah. and forget that. I mean the best example I could really think of is Roseanne with the Valerie Jarrett thing. And it's like yes. if she could go back in time, I mean she lost this huge show she had. Mm-hmm. And for her, I don't know if she has you know air quotes fuck you money where it doesn't really matter to her anymore. Mm-hmm. But I mean she lost this giant gig over a tweet that she, I don't think she really intended to be as bad as you know. No, and as she said, she didn't even realize what she was saying. It wasn't even like, oh no, I made the racist tweet. She was like, I didn't realize it was racist. I didn't know she was black. Yeah, because you know what's the funny thing is I think people are like, oh yeah. When, but then if you look at a picture of her, it's understandable because she's like, yeah, I thought she was Jewish and Roseanne is Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, Valerie Jarrett does not look extremely black, so I actually understand that you could make that mistake. Yeah, and she made. The comment and like Roseanne, I mean, I think I saw her for the first time after that on the um, Joe Rogan podcast, and she was coming out and she was saying, you know, this isn't even about my job; it's about everyone else that has lost their job because of this. Can you please just fire me, but keep this thing going? You know, it's not even about her losing the gig. It's just so unfortunate that because we're in such a PC culture, and again, there's always a conspiracy that they since she's. Pro-Trump. Yeah, pro-Trump that, you know, they were just tired of her and they wanted her out. And this was just, you know, it's kind of like the impeachment thing. Like, okay, we just want her out. What is she going to do to let us – to give us the easy out here? Um, Yeah, it's just – it's unfortunate. I mean I think everybody listening who's on social media, you do have to really think about everything before you put it out there. Yeah. Um. Which even sucks for me because right now I am not working in media full time, but I do have to always wonder like if I tweet this out, does this have a connection to this? Could mm-hmm. this look bad for this? And it it does suck that we have to think about all that stuff. But um, for example, I worked with a girl who was very left wing when I was at uh, Sirius and Steve Bannon was in the administration. She wrote a bunch of stuff about Steve Bannon, but Steve Bannon at the same time also had a show on Sirius XM. And I had to let her know, like, this might not be the best thing to tweet out because he's technically still employed by your employer. Uh-huh. So, like, if they see this, it could be a reason to bring something up. Like, hey, you're bad-mouthing a fellow employee technically. Yeah. It it just 
you know, it's the whole free speech thing, but you do have to be aware of when you're tweeting stuff. Can this make me look bad? Can this make me possibly lose my job? Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be aware of that. I think one of the funniest things on Twitter is I make a joke of it all the time, but I cannot believe that anyone tweets curses out on Twitter. Curses just in general? Yeah. I, I have? Well, why is that a big deal? <laughs> I think I'm just – I'm like you have the the moment to think about how to not put a curse in this tweet and you're just cursing like you're randomly saying it on the street and you're just – plastering it out there I, I just feel like just give it one more second of thought and say it without the the curse just because but that means you're you're almost like a jerry seinfeld you know like how jerry seinfeld always works clean okay so i guess i'm saying that for me personally that's the way that i think of it but i also just laugh when other people i guess you know what it is it's not just that they tweet curses it's people i guess to your point that are in the industry or have a public um persona or you know could be uh, just maybe want to watch what they say on a little bit, and they're being so casual with the f word. I'm like, you work for, for like a congressman. Like, what are you doing? Just don't tweet that. You know. Yeah, but nowadays it doesn't really matter. I feel like. Look at our president. I. You know what I mean? mean? He he says whatever the fuck he wants. So. Yeah, but I mean, listen. I'm not criticizing. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. To me, I just laugh because I'm like, it's just it's just such a simple thing to watch i think it's something that you're into stylistically you like i said I think, I think you're like a jerry seinfeld of twitter and and jerry seinfeld kind of prides himself on that how he's like he's able to work queen and still make everything funny and i mean maybe i'm just i'm being a total grandma here but i mean that's just i just again it's it's not even like a podcast you know i could like throw out a curse word and it just comes out you know you're thinking it's happening fast i'm just saying and when you have a, a moment to think about it you know, it's funny. I, I've had to tell people on podcasts, like, don't, you know, I, I think it's fine to curse on podcasts, but then people uh, take advantage of that and then fuck becomes every other word. Mm. And I'm like, this is kind of unlistenable. And for some reason, people take offense to that. So, yeah, I don't I don't get it. You know what? I want to talk about something completely different topic. Mike, could you hear me? Because I was going to say, Mike, our engineer is here. So you and I on the way here. We're seeing all those trucks with the, uh, like, air quotes, like, weed uh, uh, snacks and all that crap, yeah. the edibles. So, wait, Mike, you have a podcast, which you could plug, which is, like, marijuana-based. Yep, uh, the Cannabis Connoisseur I produce. Uh, yeah, but I see those things all the time. So, what's the deal, man? Because they don't actually get you high, from what I know. But And if you're, if you're a tourist in New York City, it's probably so easy to fall into, like, oh, weed is pretty much there. And you smell weed everywhere you go in New York City. It's no longer a counterculture thing. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, so those trucks, they usually sell CBD. This candy. This is like the CBD candies. And you can get anything. They have CBD drinks at the store now. Yeah. So CBD is just basically, like, THC is the stuff that gets you all, like, like and goofy. And that's what gets you, like with the typical like weed high that we recognize a CBD. It just, it kind of gets you more, it gives you more like an energy boost. There's different strains that do different things, but it's like, it's the other side of marijuana that gets people like more relaxed and, but still gives you a little boost of energy, but it doesn't get you like stoned. But you think, cause a lot of people seem to think it's complete snake oil because I did the only (laughs) experience I have with CBD is, um, you know, those juice generation places around here, right? We sound so New York by the way, but like, (laughs) 
Um, they have oxyebols now with CBD oil, oh, and wow. I got one. Yeah, I didn't feel anything, oh, and I, I wasn't expecting to necessarily because I've heard a lot of people say it's like bullshit. Basically, yeah, it, they probably didn't give you much of it, or I don't know what these people put it in. And and those trucks, you never know. Like you never know what they're doing if they're giving you even anything. So you never know. But yeah, but you've had CBD oil. Oh yeah. What's your experience with it? Yeah, it gets you. It, it gets me more focused, more relaxed. Um, there's different lemonines and pinenes, and those tinctures, they give you that euphoric effect. They give you that relaxed feeling, and especially some taking something like CBD, it'll give you that little kick instead of like um, uh, THC. Something THC-based will get you like like mopey and, and like too chilled out. I feel like it pretty much is legalized in New York City at this yeah. point, like unofficially, right? I mean, because on the way here. You smelled weed at certain. I smell it no matter what block I'm on. Yeah, you get a whiff of it somewhere. Everybody's getting smoking somewhere. It's crazy. I I I totally relate to that. It's everywhere. Someone's smoking weed. It's it's. it's, I mean, which is good. I'm glad people aren't getting arrested for it for the most part, right? I mean, there are times in New York City where it does happen, right? But Mm -hmm. worst thing that could happen, I mean, you would know better than me, is they're going to take it away from you, pretty much, right? I think you got it. You got to have a lot. I forget the exact amount, but for you to get really in a lot of trouble, you got like have like. You got like a pillowcase full. <laughs> so is that the difference now? That's the only difference is that is that they're just not cracking down on you having it, and that's why it's out there more. It's decriminalized, so up to so they can't do anything if you have like a, like if you have like a little bit of weed on you, like a, like you think an eight ounce or less or something like that, you're fine. Uh, but they'll confiscate more. it though, possibly right if you're um, being obnoxious or. I don't think they can either because it's decriminalized. They can't. It's not a criminal offense if if it's like under a certain amount. I'm pretty sure it's eight ounces, which is like a little little sandwich bag, like that much. But if you have more than that, or I forget the exact amount, then they can take it away or have some type of criminal action against you. But yeah, that's why they don't. And they've got such they have bigger fish to fry. There's already toxics getting to the federal level. They're trying. They're already starting to in talks of getting it um, legalized at a federal level. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're in talks of all this stuff becoming legalized completely already. So the cops aren't going to spend their time, you know, wasting, busting people for a little amounts of weed. Wow. What about, um, other drugs? Do you know? Because I feel like I see so many people on everything other than weed. I don't know yeah, what it is, yeah. but that's a real problem. Oh yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Is I that mean, also decriminalized? I mean, no, I don't think so. I think no. like, well, I mean, all, some of the drugs. stuff doctors are prescribing. Yeah, that's, that's the I mean, thing. it's legal heroin basically. Oh, right. Like opioids, like they're, they, they said they, you know, like, uh, oxycodone and all this stuff like they're prescribing that and that's that's dangerous like of course you can use you can prescribe marijuana which is you know it's not addictive like this stuff so it's just yeah there's a lot of illegal stuff like some of the stuff that is legal is more dangerous than, than stuff like weed but yeah i mean all drugs are different like i think i think um mushrooms um uh colorado is, is in the process of legalizing that i don't know where they're at with it but they're in the process of legalizing mushrooms like the psychedelic one yeah was, and which for people who don't know much about the subject mm-hmm. and i've never done them but i have listened to people talk about and have read up on people who are saying that mushrooms are curing people's depression they're you know, all different types of psychedelics are having these like amazing effects and not getting extremely high on them, but like a low dose of it are curing all different types of anxiety people are having. And yep. I'm I'm all for that as opposed to doctors prescribing. Uh, I mean, what we were saying before, I mean, like, what are all the pills they're prescribing? I can't even think off the top know, of my head. Right? Oxycodone, yeah, of course. but So many bad ones. Like, you don't know what's in, like, it's just addicting. And that's why it was so much like, such a problem too. like people getting hooked in all these drugs that are prescribed and it's so not good. (laughs) Eighth Avenue is one of the scariest 
streets to walk down. I saw a guy completely I mean I was just flooded with people clearly on drugs the other day. It was broad daylight, but there was one guy slumped over and he had like a needle in his jacket oh, just Damn. dangling and I'm like what is yeah. what does it take to just get a little bit of this cleaned up? This yeah. is, should not I'm right up the block from Penn Station. Well, yeah, that's there's a methadone clinic right there. That's oh, how you're getting God. all these people because I guess they'll get little samples to help dwindle them off it, but yeah. you just go for the fix and then they beg for money and it's really really bad though in that area my yeah. girlfriend works around there and it's it's and i've I, i've one of my offices for my day job they they're by there and it's bad it's so bad it's like yeah there's just so many people on drugs and homeless people there's so many boxes and it's wild because it's it's beyond them even just being there it's some of them are really scary they're they're yelling they're threatening yeah. you don't know what they're gonna do and and they don't know what they're gonna do they're, they're on drugs i just yeah. feel like that's a huge problem that should be Oh, yeah. It's, it's worked so on bad. here. And that's why I think, because we were talking about the Democratic primaries and all that, that's why I just think these people like Mike Bloomberg are so out of touch when he recently said that that uh, I think decriminalizing marijuana is like the worst thing we've ever done. I'm like, really, dude? I don't know. Have you walked around New York City lately? Like, that is really not the problem. I think it's going to change things, too. Like, if it is, like, uh, um, legal at a federal level, it's going to change the game. And a lot of people don't know how they can capitalize on it yet. Like, that guy, Bloomberg, like, he owns, like, he owns everything. He wants to know how he can make money off stuff like that before they make it legal. Like, they want to know. I mean, this is just my opinion. But I think that they want to make it, like, the reason why it's not legal at a federal level is people are still learning more about it and how they can monetize and capitalize on the whole making it federally legal the people the the big people the ones that are you know what i mean the people with the big pockets but yeah that's just yeah. my opinion but i just wanted to bring you on for that because you actually have a marijuana based <laughs> podcast so we, you plug it again yeah, actually it's the cannabis connoisseur podcast it's uh jack stone and ryan chavez i help produce the the podcast check them out uh, itunes spotify thanks awesome man it. yeah no i awesome. any any podcast coming out of here out of gotham that's like interesting even though we're just you know do our own independent thing out of here i like to bring up but yeah you you and i actually were talking about it on the way here because we saw all those trucks of the um edibles and yeah like if you're a tourist i could totally see getting sucked into that and they probably have like a one of those lollipops and they're like i'm not feeling anything probably i don't know i've never i've never given it a shot they just they just showed up all of a sudden out of nowhere all those trucks and they just screamed like gimmick i don't know yeah i think it's because of the whole cbd oil thing yeah. which once again like i don't know you know but then again if cbd oil company wants to sponsor us i'm on board I, <laughs> yeah, I'll, say don't that, go I'll say that it's yeah. the most effective thing in the world no i i actually would like to see like the more uh from what i've heard it it seems like the experts are kind of split on the effectiveness of it whether it's you know whether it works or not but mm-hmm. it might work on some people and others not so much yeah it's much like else. melatonin if you take you know a lot of people it does didn't have any effect on their sleeping and other people like myself swear by it mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i guess everyone just reacts differently to things but nice. i do think the prescribed drugs in new york are way Huge. more of the problem and that actually goes into uh, there one half of our congress people are totally against the nra you know the other half love the nra for example people on both sides are really being paid by big pharma and mm-hmm. they're the people prescribing people drugs that wind up on the street here in New York City, even worse in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem that's not really being addressed. Yeah, and I think they need to get on it soon. I know there's, you know, the campaigns against opioids and and whatnot, but I just don't think it's enough. I don't think we're really aware of just the the major 
problem. Did, did, and if you're addicted to the drug, it's too late. I mean, right. you're, you're not going to get these people off of it. They're on the streets. They're not making a living. No one is looking to hire someone who is a you know non-functioning drug addict. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's it's really hard. I, I just think that they're I, – I hope that in the next few months, hopefully, but in the next few years, we really crack down on that and it's it's – People are made more aware of it. I think we're only just beginning, but it's it's only going to continue to grow. Speaking of, just quickly, did you yeah. did you see? We're freestyling. Here. We're hitting a lot of different topics. I like it. Um, did you see South? Was it South Dakota? South Dakota, North Dakota? I don't remember right now. Uh, but they they have a meth problem in the state apparently, and they launched a new campaign um, to tackle meth. And the yeah, the slogan is "We're on it." It's it's meth. Period. We're on it. Yeah, that's not a good slogan. Not a good slogan. So, did you have some good tweets for that? That I don't even think I did. I think I just laughed. It was, I don't it was think too you self-explanatory. Can, yeah, yeah, you can't say anything about that. It's to me. It's just I imagined a guy, um, you know, coming home to his family and being like, "Hey guys, like, sorry if I'm just like out of it at dinner. We're you know we're doing this new campaign in the governor's office. We just need to come up with like a slogan to tackle this meth problem we got going on here and." And, you know, someone in the family cracking a joke like, hey, yeah, you guys are on it. Like, you know, and then hey, and they all laugh about it. And the guy brings the joke into work the next day and like they don't realize it's a joke. You know, I just imagine it being one of those things that some like one person was really aware and then the rest were like, hey, that's a great slogan. Let's go with it. Yeah, let's roll. Like, great job, Ron. You know? <laughs> I wonder if it was South Dakota. I went to South Dakota uh, and hung out with Matt Beerkant, who was one of the guys who served with Bo Bergdahl, who I just met through podcasting. He was like, hey, come stay at my place. Neat. But it was – South Dakota was awesome. And that's actually one of the things with the podcast. I think a lot of these places that Chris does these tactical training classes at mm-hmm. are middle America where elitists from places like here in New York City say, like, oh, there's nothing to do there. There is a ton to do in South Dakota. I had a yeah. great time. Like nature stuff in terms of seeing Badlands National Park and all that. Amazing time. Uh So, yeah, definitely visit some of those flyover states, which a lot of people who listing are from anyway. Uh But I dig it all. I really – I was really into seeing Mount Rushmore and I was going to plan – because that's in – is that – uh, is it South Dakota? I, uh, I think it might be North. Okay. And I feel – I can't believe – I can't remember the difference between the two right now. And Mike in, walked in away, it. so you can't fact check this. Oh, man. One of them. But I was really <laughs> into seeing uh, Mount Rushmore. I was, I was there years, many years ago when I was younger. And uh, I think when you're younger, you don't truly appreciate it. Yeah. it. I just looked up like details on the trip with my uncle when we were planning it. And we found a YouTube video where a guy just – Films the whole experience of driving, parking the car, walking up, looking at it. And we just said, okay, well, we kind of feel like we were just there already. This guy gave such a good little tour of Mount Rushmore that we were like, oh, yeah, we don't we don't need to do that now. Maybe if we end up there soon, you know, we'll, we'll get back. But, I mean, I'd still like to see it. But we just – we ended our rush to get out there, if you will. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, do Badlands National Park, yeah. which I absolutely loved. All right. So. So, like, what's on the future horizons for you? It doesn't sound like you have anything set in stone, <laughs> but I know you've kind of uh, mentioned, like, teased doing your own podcast at some point on Twitter. I think it would be cool if you did. I would come on, but yeah, I would totally have you on. Hell I would yeah. just have you just do it for me. It should be just be like this because I couldn't handle it myself. You should be my producer. I'm totally in. All right, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe a podcast. I think I think you should. I because I, I think you have great takes on things, and I I could see you ha- being on with comedians, being on with some political commentators who can take things 
jokingly. Like, I don't, I don't picture you sitting down with, like, Brett Hume, but, you know, like, uh, Greg Gutfeld, yes. What about, can, do you think, can we make a campaign to get John Fugelsang on a podcast I could, with me? I could talk to Jorge. Yo, Jorge, hook us I up, man. It. I I respect John Fugel saying I I that's. But you're not telling us the story. I, I, no, I just I used to. Pulse. I mean, it was it was a big joke. I used to do Fugel singing. I used to poke fun at him, and then yeah. I just stopped. But I but I, you know, I think he's I I think just by his Twitter feed, you can see that I think he he's doing exactly what I've said that he just takes things personally. I mean, he lives in New York City. He does a shot in New York City. Yeah. I think we could get him in these very studios if, you know. But do you think there's there's a big uh, audience for this? Like, you do you can't. Think the, I'm the audience <laughs> of one. That's all I need. Like, is there this big outcry that you have to interview John Fugel? No, saying? I just, this is a personal fulfillment thing. Yeah. Well, if, if there's people out there that think that I might be good at something and they want to hear it, let me know. Tweet at me. And and let me know. I just I don't. Uh, which by the way is at Cade Hyde NY, which I forgot for a second because there's an at Cade Hyde that is definitely not you. Definitely not me. No, she lives in England, and and Twitter recently said that they were going to, um, you know, clear all of the the accounts that were no longer used. But she tweets just enough. I mm. think she's like rarely on there, but she's totally just enough that they're not going to wipe her account. So I can't go and snipe the name. And I remember the same thing happened to Tom Green. He wanted at Tom Green, but there's another guy. And Tom was like, hey, I'll you know purchase your account or something. This guy would not yeah. let go. I mean, at this point, I'm Kate Hyde NY. Even if I move, it's just. Yeah, you're from New York. Yeah, you know. it fits. Yeah. It fits. You know, when I got the accent sometimes. Not really. No, I You don't. and I kind of have neutral. We don't sound very New York. No, Maybe that's because of the area we grew up in, that it wasn't – it's not like a heavy yeah, accent I, area. If you listen to old uh, radio with me from like WRHU days where I went to college at Hofstra University, I, I have more New York. It smoothed out over the years. You got the coffee talk thing going on? Yeah, there. it's not that. I do remember I interviewed Bones from the band Stuck Mojo and I remember bringing him on because I had this demo. And I was like, hey, we got on Bones from Stuck Mojo. How you doing? It, that, that was like my introduction. And I was like, this sounds very New York. Yeah. Was, and I didn't even realize it at the time. Do you find that people that are um, that are outside of New York, they tell you that you have – they're like, oh, yeah, I hear that. No, not anymore. No. Because I have some people that – it's mostly people around here that they're like, wow, I thought you were from Texas or you know, somewhere random. I'm like, no, dude, I'm, I'm from here. <laughs> um, but – People from outside of here really badly want to identify me as being from Long Island, New York. They're like, oh, yeah, I definitely hear the accent. And I no. think sometimes if maybe I get mad or frustrated, it might come out a little bit. But they want to claim that I have it more than I do. And I even I'm like, I do not have an accent. You need no. to come to Long Island and do you hear think, the accent. Do you think Chris has like a Colorado? He's got some accent and I can't even put my I don't finger know. on what it is. I don't know what it is. It's definitely something. I don't know. He what has it is. an accent. Yeah. This is funny. He was talking on the last episode we recorded about someone that he um, served with in ben, you know, in Benghazi as a contractor. I don't remember if it was Boone or one of them, but he was like, yeah, he's a redneck from Colorado. I'm like, dude, you're a redneck from Colorado. <laughs> just because you're a Mexican doesn't make you less of a – like if you just heard Chris's voice, he fits that stereotype. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the accent is, but it's like, yeah, like I can't even do it. No, it's yeah, not it's that, very, no, that, 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 that was York. not it at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the only accent I could do. Um, but yeah. So we've learned that you think Joe Biden will be the nominee. 
I do still think he'll be the nominee. I'm not saying 100%. I've just always felt it. I think he will get it. And like I said, I think he's so heavily associated with Obama that um, people really want that. Um, yeah, I, I'm i still – I keep saying Hillary and I i don't know if I'm being serious when he's I say this. I haven't – yeah, I haven't figured out if I'm serious about this or not yet. But I keep saying that she's going to jump in. It would be crazy. It would be – I mean – Bloomberg jumping in at the time that he did. It's like, really, man? That's the thing. It's not, it's not too late. And she she does better if she doesn't jump in any earlier than she has to because, listen, we know her name. We know that, you know, I think – We know she killed Jeffrey Epstein. No yeah. No. <laughs> she, no, I think she organized it. Um, no, I think, I think that she just – she knows that, you know, there's enough people, quote, angry that – Trump won that if she does the right moves this time, which is, you know, actually goes out on the ground and goes to Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, you know, that maybe she can get some traction. But I think what they're not considering is there's a lot more people, I think, that like Trump after he got elected. You know, yeah, it's that, true. Yeah, that I don't think it's it's going to be the same game as it was before, just a redo and they can do it right. I think I think he's he's no matter who's in there, he's winning. I I fully agree. Um, so once again, at Cade Hyde NY on Twitter, I already know I'm going to get tweets um, and Facebook posts of like, where's Chris? Is this just going to become your podcast? And it's like, no. Um, every now and again, Chris will have like a conflict with his scheduling. So, you know, we'll do an episode like this. But Chris will be back next week. Um, I know that next episode, if everything goes according to plan, we're going to have an episode with Jack Murphy, uh, Army Ranger Green Beret, who most of you guys know, or a lot of you know, talking about the whole Eddie Gallagher and the other two guys, Matt uh, Goldstein and other guys named uh, escapes my mind, but the three guys that were pardoned. And going to the specifics of it, and I, you know, Jack is very anti what happened and very open about it, and wrote several articles about it. And uh, I think it'd be good to get those takes because if you've been watching Fox News, the narrative has been completely on the other side. So I would like to have guys on here to, you know, give a take of why this shouldn't have gone down the way that it has. So that should be next episode. I'm looking forward to it, and of course, Chris will be back. Um, once again, although I'm keeping the live reads for the episodes with Chris, Fort Scott Munitions is sponsoring all the other shows this month. Um, since there's five Mondays in December, I figured I'd skip this one. But you could still use our promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off at fortscottmunitions.com. And we really appreciate them being on board. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We've gotten plenty of reviews on there that have like pretty much all been five stars and we're really happy with. Uh, it helps us get our visibility up. Um, you know, or if you subscribe on Spotify, that helps us. You know, what's cool on Spotify. When I look at the stats, I'm able to see like what our listeners are listening to music wise. Really? Stuff like that. Yeah. Statistics. I'm able to see male and female age demographic. So it just gives me an idea of who's listening this early on at least. Um, yeah. And we are of course looking for more sponsors. So if you are interested in sponsoring, you could email me personally, ianscottoradio at gmail.com. Um, because we're keeping everything, I think, relatively affordable since we're really a newer podcast. But we're trying to keep things going, and that's why we're glad Fort Scott came on uh, early on and is keeping this thing going. Otherwise, Chris and I are just going bankrupt doing a podcast, you know, and that's not what we're looking to do. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have a company, um, hey, even if it's CBD oil, any, like, protein companies, whatever it is, we're looking for all of that. So, ianscottoradio at gmail.com. 
But if you just have questions for the show, email battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to do like kind of a uh, news or a, um, I should call it like a uh, mailbag type segment for questions. We've been getting so many guest suggestions, but like we have a lot of those already going on. So I'd kind of prefer if you guys just have a question for me, question for Chris, question about Benghazi. We'll get to all of that. So battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Is there anything we haven't hit on that you wanted to mention or? Mm, no. No solid future plans, though, that you... Uh, it's My... so funny, usually we bring someone on and they have something to plug, you know, <laughs> this is... Although, actually, to be fair, last episode of Pat Smith, you know, the mother of Sean Smith, she didn't have anything to plug, we just gone to talk and... We like that as well. Yeah, no. My uh, the only thing in my future is uh, eating pizza and hanging out with my cat. So, Hell yeah! Other than that, who knows? At Kate Hyde NY. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank I really you appreciate so it. Much. No, when I heard that Chris couldn't be here for this episode, I was like, this would be a perfect episode to talk with Kate about different stuff because I think Chris wouldn't be as in the talk about all the politics right now. No, I think he's like as he should not be. He's, he's very smart to be out of it. Yeah, yeah. And eventually we're going to have um, a lot of other different people on people in the movie world, people in the music world. We're trying to keep a really versatile um, amount of guests on here. So thanks for checking it out, guys. Hope you like this episode. I promise you, Chris will be back next episode. That's all for this week's Battle Line podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Battle Line Podcast. Also on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. As always, never quit.